Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Story time. I had one of the most terrifying experiences of my life as a police officer in Beaver Township, Ohio. It was the early morning hours of October 25, 2018, around 5.3 a.m. I was on patrol with three other officers from the Beaver Police Department, driving down a desolate road called Davis Road. As we were driving, something caught our attention near the edge of the road, so we decided to pull over and investigate. Out of nowhere, a massive figure resembling a man appeared before us. 
It stood about seven feet tall and was so close to our car that we could have reached out and touched it. The sight was chilling. Its face was elongated and bony, with huge fangs protruding from its mouth. Its eyes were dark, reminiscent of a shark's gaze. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. Before this encounter, we had noticed movement along one of the roads within our line of sight, but we weren't sure what it was. Our curiosity got the better of us, and we decided to follow it. As we reached the spot where it had been seen, all four of us witnessed the creature in full view. It was unbelievably close, and we felt as though it could pounce on us at any moment. One of my fellow officers said, it was like nothing I've ever seen before, and the rest of us agreed. The creature defied any explanation. I immediately knew it wasn't a bear or any known creature. It took only seconds for our eyes to adjust, and we could clearly see the details of this extraordinary being. Strangely, it seemed to emit its own light source, making it easily visible. The whole experience was surreal and unnerving. We watched as the creature disappeared into the nearby bushes. Two of us left our posts to join the other two, forming a group to investigate further. However, our search yielded no additional sightings. All we found was a large hoof mark in the area and some broken bones among other things. We discussed our encounter and the lack of evidence. It was frustrating because we knew what we had seen, but we also knew that finding proof would be nearly impossible. We were convinced that if this incident made it to the news, it would be quickly retracted or dismissed. It's encounters like these that make us realize how strange and inexplicable our world can be. We are reminded that there are mysterious phenomena and creatures out there, lurking in the shadows. Even though we may never find concrete evidence, we share our experiences to shed light on the unknown and to let others know that sometimes, the truth lies beyond what we can comprehend. My brother and I decided to go on a sailing trip. We're both Marines, so we don't get to see each other often. We made camp on a small island with a decently sized patch of trees. At 2 a.m. or so we heard a boat coming towards us. Our fire had died down, but was still visible. This was a remote area so it felt off that someone would be coming to our campsite. We grabbed our weapons and quietly went into the tree line. Some scraggly looking guy started rifling through our shit, then started walking toward our boat with a rope. I decided to confront him and my brother stayed back. To alert this stranger to my presence, I pumped my shotgun, and asked him what the hell he was doing in our camp. Before this guy could say anything, I heard another guy in the darkness beyond the fire scream for me to drop my gun or he would kill me. Before I could react, my brother opened fire on the second guy, and I shot the first guy. I retreated back to the tree line, and my brother asked if I was good. I told him I was alright. We did a perimeter sweep, gathered our shit, and destroyed, sank their boat. When we got back to shore, we contacted the state police and told them what happened. They detained us until our story could be cleared, then released us. So glad we decided to go together, or there's a good chance one of us could have been killed. Edit. To clarify, both died after being shot. We sank the boat in case there were any others that hit after the initial confrontation to avoid being followed. 
We didn't take their boat because that would have looked really bad if we got stopped on our way back my brother and I were detained until our story could be verified. Once the evidence was gathered and processed, we were released. We found out the men had been convicted of assault and burglary multiple times. We were never charged with anything, but sought legal counsel in case it did happen. To those messaging me saying I'm a coward or murderer, put yourself in the situation we were in. A stranger comes to our camp, starts stealing, and when confronted, his accomplice threatened to kill me and leveled a weapon at me. I shot because I didn't know how many others my brother might be dealing with, and I wasn't going to turn my back to someone who clearly meant harm. In the context of the situation, it was threat on threat. So, you probably won't believe my story, but here it goes. I was working in a ranger station at a small California state park, looking after the forest. It was late September, meaning the amount of hikers they were dwindling, and it wasn't like the summer where it's a great season for hiking. Yeah, the fall is great because the weather is very nice and mild, and we saw quite a few people through the summer months, but fall is when it definitely dwindles. As I said, I was doing what I needed to do, hiking around and patrolling the trails and doing regular ranger stuff, checking on things and making sure stuff was safe. I stopped to eat some lunch in an open field near one part of the park where there were no trees or big rocks, so a larger clearing. I sat down and was beginning to eat my favorite, a tuna sandwich, and I literally froze with a bite still in my mouth, stopping chewing, when I see these two dark pits, which were eyes, moving between tree to tree to my right. I just happened to look over in that direction and see something very large watching me. Then I hear branches and twigs snapping, confirming that what I was seeing was really there, something very large and heavy moving and trying to evade any sort of sighting by me. Then I could hear deep breaths, almost like a panting or a heavy wheezing noise. After wanting no part to play in whatever this thing was, I got up, put my sandwich in its bag and my pail, and walked back off the trail. However, it had an interest in me. It was following me and was now moving briskly through the trees. I picked up my pace, and that's when everything around me fell quiet. Now, it was beginning to feel very uncomfortable, like something could happen. I believe this thing followed me for a couple of miles before finally stopping, as the noises around me returned. To this day, I have no way to account for what it was that I saw, and I don't want to think about it. I will be telling you what I saw and heard while on duty in the evening of Thursday, July 15, 2004. I was dispatched to an area where there had been reports of a lot of screaming. Once arriving at the scene, I met with two other officers, who we will refer to as A and B. We proceeded into a wooded area that led out onto a street near a housing development. It was from that same location that we had heard these crazy yelling screams coming from behind us in the woods, just off the side of the street. They were very loud, very high-pitched. There were some lower pitches mixed in there as well. I have never heard anything like this before since being on duty here in Plymouth County. Since my partner and I were the only ones who actually heard this, we talked about it. Both of us think that we'd heard some type of Bigfoot-like creature. 
While not necessarily believers, we like to say we keep our options open. We had Officer C with us as well, but he never heard the screams or anything else. One other thing I'd like to add is that there were no residences on the street at the time, nothing back off the road. When we first came out into the woods, there were no vehicles either. This whole area has been developed since then, though there are a few houses now back off the street. We first came out on the noise we heard down in those woods could be best described as a long scream or yell mixed with a howl and growl. It sent chills down my spine that night, even as a trained law enforcement official. I never saw anything like this before, and I have not seen or heard it since either. I do hope that one day I will see something like that again. I know there are certain things out there we cannot explain, and that's what makes it all the more intriguing. It should also be included that Officer A had a previous sighting of the same type of size of creature back in the early 90s, might have been 91 or 92. I actually spoke with him about it. He described to me what he saw. It was very similar to the way I would describe our screams that evening. The most striking thing was that he just stated that it stood there, staring at him for almost 10 minutes or so. He said it felt like it but was probably only 30 seconds. Again, all this took place out in Plymouth County. I stood atop the remote watchtower in the heart of the White River National Forest, Colorado. The breathtaking beauty of the vast wilderness stretched out before me, a canvas of nature waiting to be explored. As a diligent park ranger named Zoe, I took my responsibilities seriously, ensuring the safety of visitors and the preservation of this pristine environment. But there was more to me than just the uniform I wore. In my free time, I embraced my passion for art, wielding a paintbrush instead of a ranger's guidebook. The wilderness inspired me, and I would often capture its magnificence on canvas, the colors dancing across the white expanse, bringing the landscape to life. As dusk settled over the forest, the once familiar tranquility gave way to an eerie stillness. A chill ran down my spine, and I sensed a presence lurking in the shadows, beyond the reach of my watchful eyes. Unseen entities tormented me during the night, whispering dark secrets that seemed to seep into my very being. Their voices echoed through the trees, playing mind games that threatened to unhinge my sanity. Driven by a mix of curiosity and apprehension, I stepped outside the watchtower, determined to confront the enigma that haunted my nights. I cautiously moved through the underbrush, my senses heightened and heart pounding. And then I saw it, a figure in the distance, a predator with the shape of a bipedal dogman, its eyes gleaming with an unnatural intelligence. Fear surged through me, but I refused to let it paralyze me. With trembling hands, I reached for the weapon holstered at my side, knowing that my only chance of survival lay in facing this unknown creature head-on. I shouted into the darkness, demanding answers, demanding to know why it tormented me. In a flash, the dogman lunged, its razor-sharp claws tearing through the air. Instinct took over, and I fought back, battling the beast with all my strength. Pain seared through my body as its claws found their mark, but I refused to yield. In a desperate struggle, I managed to seize my gun, aiming for the creature's heart. The shot rang out, piercing the night, 
and the dogman's agonized scream echoed through the forest. With newfound resolve, I held my breath, waiting for backup to arrive. The creature, wounded and startled, fled into the darkness, leaving me battered and bloodied but alive. Backup arrived to find me unconscious, lying amidst the wilderness I had sworn to protect. They whisked me away to safety, my body battered but my spirit unbroken. As I regained consciousness, I knew that my encounter with the dogman was not the end, but a beginning, a testament to the unseen dangers that lurked within the depths of the forest. In the days that followed, as I recovered, I delved deeper into the legends and lore of the area, seeking answers to the mysterious entity that had attacked me. It became clear that I had stumbled upon a hidden world, where myth and reality converged in the darkest corners of the White River National Forest. And so, armed with knowledge and an unwavering determination, I returned to my post atop the watchtower. The paintbrush in my hand became not only a tool of artistic expression but a symbol of resilience. I vowed to protect this wilderness, not only from the tangible threats but from the unseen forces that sought to unravel its delicate balance. The wilderness watched over me as I stood strong, ready to face whatever terrors may come. For in the heart of the forest, amidst the whispers of the unknown, a park ranger named Zoe embraced her duty with unyielding courage, ensuring that the secrets of the wild remain just that, secrets, forever entwined with the untamed beauty of nature. In college, I spent one month house-sitting a large hunting estate in the middle of nowhere Idaho. The nearest town was 22 miles away. Woke up on the middle of the night to the sound of someone knocking loud and hard on the front door and the dogs were going nuts. No way I was going to answer it, I just grabbed the gun and kept quiet upstairs. Next morning, there was a car in the driveway. The guy who owned the car was found dead several months later. I have no idea what happened. Edit, I feel kinda bad. I should have put some more info in there. It was late last night. Here is everything I know. It was June 1987, I know it was 87 because it was the baseball season after the Bill Buckner disaster. My girlfriend's parents owned the place, it was in southeast Idaho. I'm not going to say what town it was 22 miles from because they might still own it and I don't want this to get more weirder than it already is. It was a pretty big place with a lot of acreage. The guy who was the full-time caretaker for the place had just quit. My girlfriend's dad went out there to find a new caretaker, but the new caretaker couldn't start for one month. Her dad offered to pay me $1,200 to go out there. Free food, satellite TV, one of those huge dishes from back then, and free booze. All I had to do was keep an eye on the place and feed the dogs and the horse. I had never been out west so I took him up it. It sounded better than doing landscaping. I spent the time reading and exploring, playing with the dogs, riding the horse, shooting. Completely uneventful experience until that night. That night, after the knocking stopped and dogs stopped barking, I eventually went back to sleep. I didn't freak out all that much because there were two German shepherds inside with me and I had a gun, I kept it on the nightstand. I had been drinking a little but not drunk by any means. There were several neighbors that were a few miles away, 
I was kind of thinking someone just simply drove up the wrong driveway. Next morning at crack of dawn, I opened the front door to let the dogs out and see a white Chevy Nova sitting in the driveway, it was near the small cabin for the caretaker. The cabin was about 100 yards from the main house. I called my girlfriend's dad and asked him if he knew anyone with that make or model car and told him about what had happened the night before. He didn't know anyone and he called the police directly. Police show up, ask me a few questions and walk around the property for about an hour or so. The car was locked, the police had it towed. I have no idea if it was broke down or not. There was only one set of tire tracks coming into the house. A few days later, my girlfriend's dad called me up to say the guy who owned that car was missing and to call the police if anything weird happened again. I have no idea who the guy was at all. Don't know how long he was missing or when he was reported missing. Or who reported him missing. He was just missing. Girlfriend's dad didn't know that much. After one month, I go back home. Girlfriend and I break up shortly thereafter. I see her out on the town several months later, and I ask her if she ever found out what happened to that guy. All she knows is the guy was found dead by S 30 miles away. The S happened several months after that incident at the house, and he was found a couple of days after he had killed himself. I asked her how he did it, where he was he found, who found him, etc. And I got nothing. I never saw her again. You all now know just as much as I know. I feel your pain. I want to report a cryptid that was seen in the vicinity of Maine on October 5, 2010. This is around 9.35 p.m. by myself and one other person. The creature was about eight and a half feet tall or more, white or light in color, no skin, no hair. It looked almost skeletal or as I would call mummified. It looked very large standing up straight. It was walking upright when we first saw it. We only caught sight of it through our headlights when we were driving on a tooling road right where it crossed onto another smaller road. It had been walking along the edge of the woods, disappearing into them after we saw it. Before we could really get out and get a good look at it, we did not see its face or hands at this point since it moved so quickly. We turned off our headlights and stopped near where we lost sight of it. We could not see anything in front of us with our high beams on. Anyway, it surprised me when I'm driving at night with my high beams on, nothing is too bright for me to see, even deer standing in the middle of the road or other cars coming from behind. I told my friend that there was something big in front of us to slow down and watch for it. After we stopped, turned off our headlights, we could see that there was something in the road about a hundred feet away from us but could not tell what it was due to the snow on the ground making everything appear darker than usual. It's really hard to explain. We sat there looking at it when my friend backed up slowly. It was still standing there when he had to put enough distance between us so it could not see us anymore. As I mentioned, this thing looked like a large mummified skeleton. It was easily the creepiest, most closest thing to Night of the Living Dead you can ever imagine, but it looked far more animalistic than just some huge human skeleton walking around. Either way, the whole incident took less than a couple of minutes until it passed. The other interviews included in this report have been since whited out and unfortunately, 
are unable to be included in this database. Thank you for your understanding. A number of years ago, he lived in a very large, old house in the middle of nowhere, central Illinois, about 30 miles from any real town or city. He didn't think much of it when he heard a car turn off and someone knock on the door, he figured his roommate had locked himself out. Thought it would be funny to let him figure it out. Only, his roommate was still inside. The knocking got more desperate until my uncle fell asleep, for those wondering how, he was both a boozer, snored loudly, and was on sleep medications at the time. When drunk, the man could have slept through a nuclear explosion. His buddy found the car the next morning, door open. My uncle came outside as the police were questioning his buddy. They tried to find the owner. They did, six months later, decomposed in a field, evidently murdered. The murderer still has not been found. He is still rather bothered by whether he could have saved his life. So I used to live in this house. It was newish it wasn't run down but it obviously wasn't the newest modern home either it was normal. But for some reason I hated being alone in it and had this feeling like something was extremely off about it or something was there that shouldn't be there with me. I lived there with my mom, her boyfriend and my brother and I was 11 at the time. One time I could swear that someone had broken in. It didn't sound like it it's just that I saw flashes outside of my room and I'm only 47% sure it was the reflection of the sun. This was in Finland Vanta. I'm okay telling the location that's specific cause I don't live anywhere near there. It could be the fact I wasn't the most sane 11 year old. Think imagining being an arsonist and killing my bullies and planning it, so it could have been that, but it what I saw was real and it scared me shitless. It could be that I'm dumb and I'm not fully sure if it is a cryptid but I'm asking just in case there's anything that actually does that. In 1981, an officer claims that he was on patrol with another officer. They received a call about something large in a wooded area of Sand Ridge State Forest. When they went to investigate, lo and behold, they saw what appeared to be a hair-covered man standing on two legs, watching them from about 200 feet away. The creature quickly ran off into the woods before either could get a good look at it, but both stated it looked like something out of this world. The following is an excerpt from the witness report about what happened. As we pulled up, it walked on two legs until reaching a tree, then knelt down behind it, rose up back on two legs, and continued staring at us. Officer Adia got out of the car, rifle in hand. I got out, putting my spare revolver in my waistband, pulling out my shotgun from its bracket under the dash. We both walked to the front of the cruiser, each taking a side, scanning for it. When Adia said loudly, there it is, I didn't see anything, so I shuddered where he told me where it was, behind a tree about 45 yards away, crouched down, watching us. He instructed me to stay back while he approached it for a better look. Adia stated that he watched as this thing kept looking left and right, making sure nobody else was coming. Once satisfied that they were alone, it began running back towards us. That's when I took my first shot at it with my 12 gauge. 
It was just beginning to rise up, though, so all that happened was buckshot springing into the tree behind it. Adia then grabbed me, told me to follow him back to the car. Once we got back in the car, he told me we needed to leave now. It was very dark but still light enough for us to see. This thing was hideous. Adia has since passed away. Before he died, though, he wanted to come out and get the story. For all these years, I just never knew how or what the right time was. Most people have a hard time believing that policemen would not take into account shooting an unencrypted. However, when working with Adia, he claimed he would never shoot and kill a Bigfoot because they were simply too much paperwork. I live in Germany now, but the incident took place in southern Brazil, in the state of Paraná in 2021. A brief summary of how I ended up in this situation. In 2020 I discovered I had cancer, so I had surgery, chemo, etc. for a few months. I finished treatment in 2021, I was in the bath and felt something strange. The surgery site had ruptured after 5 months and was oozing pus and blood. I despaired. My father has a quarry, with an open mine of about 120 meters in diameter and 20 meters deep. It is a place far from the city about 8 kilometers, in the middle of the woods, and with some family farms nearby. Well, I love the place and decided to go there to think about what to do. I was afraid to restart the treatment. Afraid that maybe the cancer had come back with a vengeance. There is the place where the crushing plant used to be, exactly where the trucks unloaded to the grinder. To take advantage of the force of gravity, it is located on the slope of a ravine about 30-40 meters high with an incredible view of the horizon. I parked my truck there and lay on top of it and watched the shooting stars. I don't know exactly how many hours later but it should have been something like midnight, I hear footsteps slowly coming towards me. I was armed with a pistol but I left it inside and I was in the back of the truck. All I had was a piece of wood lying there. At that time I was scared of this being a criminal as we had problems with thieves stealing machine parts and parts. But this individual came right from the side of the cliff and it was impossible for anyone to walk up, I even went back to check it later. My second thought was that it was a jaguar. Because I had been lying down for a long time, whether I was a jaguar or a criminal, it might have thought that I had fallen asleep. As the steps got closer I deduced that it was already on my side. I looked without moving my head and I didn't see anything that was the height of a person. So I jumped with the piece of wood and screamed because it had to be an animal. Then I saw something I'd never seen anything like it before, and I get goosebumps just writing about it. It was a human figure, completely dark brown. It had no eyes, no mouth, and no ears. It looked like thick smoke. It walked very clumsily as if twisting. When I jumped it still hadn't finished climbing. I froze. It finished the climb. It passed by my side, about a meter away. When I jumped up and screamed it did absolutely nothing. It passed by me and followed the opposite path I took to get there, left the road, and entered the forest. I retrieved the gun from inside the truck. It walked for a while and came out again in the clearing it started moving towards me. The night was very clear, with an almost full moon. When it got nearer as it came towards me, I started shooting. 
I shot 10 times. I remembered that I still had 12 rounds because when I arrived I fired a few shots. I landed all the shots as it approached. It didn't do anything, it didn't seem to hit anything. At that distance I never missed. Then it stopped and went back into the bush. The rest of the night it walked in a semicircle about 50 meters from me, into the woods, out on the clearing, and into the woods on the other side. When dawn came it entered the forest, and I could hear the footsteps in the distance. I grew up there, I know every inch of it. I'm 32 years old, my childhood and youth were spent walking around there, going into the forest. You've never seen anything like it. When I asked my father he just said that it wasn't good to go there alone at night because there's something strange. He had come that early morning because they were looking for me since I had left without warning and left my cell phone at home. He figured I would be there. So I live in North Carolina, in the kinda suburbish of a kinda small town. I came outside to smoke and all the dogs started barking and then all at once stopped. I was watching my neighbor through the trees bringing his dog in and a black mass moved very quickly through the trees. Now I'm in my backyard and it's fully fenced in and this thing looked like it was on my side of the fence. And it was fully black and almost round, like something hunched over, and it moved way too smoothly to be like a dog or deer. I'm just curious and mildly concerned lol. Any ideas as to what this might have been? This encounter took place on Fort Carson, Colorado Gunnery Range in the fall of 1991. I grew up an Air Force brat who had been just about everywhere. I joined the US Army out of high school and I have my proud career to hang my hat on. That being said it's taken me many many years to have the guts to share this story. I have been haunted ever since. It still makes me shake to the core reliving that night. Our squadron was out in the field preparing for the qualification of the M1 tank and Bradley fighting vehicle crews. We call this gunnery downrange Fort Carson a scrub brush, which is an untouched landscape with a view of the Rocky Mountain front range that is simply beautiful. Towards the end of qualification, it is about 1.30 a.m. and the tank and Bradley crews were appearing to road march back to camp. The road back to camp was a well-groomed dirt road with very deep ditches on either side due to the heavy rainfall. Our team was back in the barracks awaiting the crews as we were to go to them if their vehicles had an issue or breakdowns. Nearly everyone in the barracks was laying on their cots either sleeping or playing bones by the stove, as it was a chilly night. The head NCO is playing bones and listening to the radio traffic. He shouted out they were on their way back in. People start to stir and move around trying to wake up just in case they needed us. I was laying on the end of my cot with my feet on the floor. I had my beanie pulled down over my face to block the light. I was fully awake. The radio is directly across from me. Suddenly, over the radio, our CO gave orders to start the road march back to camp. The radio crackled and conversations began to take place. The first crews to road march back out were the Bradley fighting vehicle teams. The first Bradley had a ground guide out front. Everyone was wearing night vision goggles and they were using blackout lights to guide their way. Without warning one of the drivers shouted, Hey! What the hell is that? 
I know the voice came over the radio. I don't know another voice. We need to stop. We need to stop. The CEO came over the radio and wanted to know what was going on up there. Another voice, sir, we need to stop. Just then I recognized our EXO telling the CEO, we need to stop the convoy now, sir. Meanwhile, at the same time, everyone back in the barracks was now standing next to the radio and listening to what was going on, and staring at each other with amazement. The CO gave the order to the lead Bradley to come to a full stop and halt the convoy. Keep in mind, while all this was taking place, the first and second Bradley crews were staring at a bipedal dark figure standing on the road looking over his shoulder at them at about 50 feet away. I mentioned the deep ditches. It was said by several crew members that this figure stepped out of the ditch with ease and began to walk in the middle of the road in front of the convoy. This bipedal creature had no care in the world that the crews or the vehicles were there. It's just standing there. By the time the CEO got to the front of the convoy to see what was going on, he had a hell of a mess on his hands. The radio chatter exploded into yells and F-bombs. People telling the ground guy to run and jump up on the top of the turret for safety. The EXO shouting to everyone over the radio to calm down and get their shit together. The first ground guide stated that in his night vision goggles when this creature stepped out of the ditch and onto the road the creature's eyes were glowing like green fire and standing before him. It was like having an out-of-body experience. The remaining crew had no idea what was going on up front. They could not really get a good look. But the first three Bradleys got to see everything. All the crews heard everything and in the third Bradley was the EXO. He was a former state trooper, a solid no BS kind of guy who was standing through the turret hatch. He saw everything. As the CEO was making his way up the road to the front of the convoy the creature turned and calmly walked to the other side of the road and disappeared into the ditch. The CEO was met by the EXO and the ground guide who told him what had happened. You could hear the conversation going back and forth through the ground guide's mic. Tensions were high. Soon the convoy was underway again. About 30 minutes later the door burst open in our barracks and the crews started pouring in. They're excited and shouting at us. Did you hear what happened? The first ground guide was pushed to the front of the crowd and was asked to tell us what had happened, in a military kind of way, if you know what I mean. Suddenly the CEO came through the door. Someone yelled attention. He made his way through the crowd to the center of the room and stated, you didn't see anything. None of this happened. And if I hear of any chatter about it tonight you will answer to me. Do you understand? Everyone yelled, yes sir. The next morning we're all spent from the night before. No one got any sleep and to make things worse in came the Blackhawks and men in suits with the base commander. They spoke to certain people and the incident was soon put behind us. The most common threat amongst the eyewitnesses was that the Sasquatch seemed to not really care about the chaos on the road that night. It never ran or seemed to be scared. The way it stood there and stared at them, eyes glowing, is what freaked everyone out. I've got something pretty freaky. Last summer in Alaska, a buddy of mine was on a fly fishing trip. He is one of my good friends, very honest, big conservationist, 
and sort of innocent in his demeanor. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Just an all-around great guy. Anyway, he is camping in the back country as he is rafting his way down the river back to town. On his raft, and camping with him, were two girls, and one other guy. So one night on this trip they are camping and hanging out at the fire and pretty close to going to sleep, so they are working on putting the fire out. At this point, everyone at camp saw the silhouette of a stocky man and a dog. From what my friend says, this man starts mumbling at them, and they can't tell what he's saying. He is about 20 feet away from my buddy and his campmates. My friend and the other guy go to confront him. He seemed like he was in a panic, and my friend said there was definitely something wrong with him mentally. He starts talking about how he is a messenger from God and how he had the solution. No one knew what he was talking about. He ends up walking his way back to the campsite, to the dismay of the group. The girls are obviously freaked out and scared and told my friend he needed to leave. Something about him just felt wrong and troublesome. My friend said his dog was nice, but again, this stranger starts talking about how he is a disciple from God. Then, he pulled out a gaming laptop and started showing my friend some code he wrote, but didn't pay too much attention to. He mentioned, to me that the stranger isn't aggressive, just off-putting. It's worth noting, he only had a small backpack and no serious outdoor gear. He told my friend that he wanders the woods and occasionally heads into town. So eventually, they convince him to leave camp, telling the stranger they were going to bed. He agrees to leave. But three hours later they hear something outside the tent that sounds like a man yelling yo-ho and they come outside to find the campfire roaring again. The whole group stayed up the rest of the night with their bear spray and continued the camping trip downstream the next morning. Every time my friend has told me this story he is visibly disturbed. My friend still wonders what he was doing out there with only a dog, no gear, and miles into the woods. Whack! I'm from the Netherlands and this happened to me. I hope someone can help me out because it has been haunting me for years now. When I was younger I always had this feeling someone was standing behind me and I saw black shadows every morning. I stopped seeing them and moved on until this happened. One night I saw this figure in the middle of my room against the wall. It was very tall like 9 feet or something, very skinny, like you could see his ribs and spine, had grey blackish skin. It had big black eyes and a lurking smile with sharp teeth. It had very long limbs, arms, legs, feet, hands, I remember it had a chain around its neck and it had little horns. It was very slow. At that time I was in an abusive relationship and I was very depressed. It seemed to haunt me every time I got into a new relationship. If I brought my girlfriend home my behavior changed. I got grumpy and irritated and if she gave me love I got terrified, my whole body started to shake and talking was hard. When we broke up everything was fine again and I could leave it behind. After years I started dating again. But the minute I brought someone home it was like, nope, this doesn't feel right and I got this overwhelming feeling again, even with friends sometimes. I tried to block this whole thing but it's only possible if I stay alone. My sister saw it standing on the stairs to my room one day. 
She described it the same as how I saw it that one time but it didn't do anything. She said it just stood there. After a while, I met this girl. She said she was spiritual and locked it in a spell jar after I got a panic attack again. We broke up and it felt like something was missing. I saw the jar and immediately opened it. What could this be? That one time was the only time I saw it but I feel his presence now and then. It's like I could imagine it next to me. I just hope someone can help. I'm not scared of it anymore because it's harmless, so far as I know. It's just still in my mind. I had multiple theories about what it could be, like a lost soul or something. Weirdly, it is quiet now. I do have a girlfriend at the moment. Sometimes I thought it was protecting me if that makes sense. My exes were very abusive and manipulative. My girlfriend now is very supportive and it's just a healthy relationship and it is quiet. Other commenters describe their own experiences, pretty much the same thing happened to me. Ditto on the toxic relationship at the time and pretty sure it was during one of my lowest points depression-wise. The only thing is this humanoid had a Hamburg-type hat on and a long cape. It was standing over me during a sleep paralysis event and had both of its hands hovering over my chest like it was both trying to keep me from moving and also like stealing my soul. The figure's fingers were extremely long, pale, and with sharp tips reminiscent of the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth, didn't really notice nails though, just pointy and long fingers. When I was finally able to move the thing just dissipated into the ceiling literally felt like a demon feeding off low vibrational fearful frequencies. The next comment, I have seen something similar, where I grew up. The countryside in Denmark. A tall figure, about 2 meters tall or more. Long skinny arms and legs. It didn't do anything, just stared at my buddy and me. A couple of weeks later, my sister and her boyfriend saw the same thing, not far from where I saw it. They were taking our dog for an evening walk, and suddenly it appeared about 30 meters from them. Again just staring. The dog began to whimper and flee with the tail between its legs, then ran home and locked the doors. About a week later, we found a mutilated deer on our farm. The abdomen was torn ripped open, and the guts were all over the place. The biggest predators we have in this part of the country are foxes and badgers and I don't think they can attack and do that to an adult deer. Shortly after my whole family moved. Some to another farm, others to a semi-large town. I am living in the town now, but I swear, sometimes I still see it in the dark. Got stalked by a mountain lion on a hike. It was late at night, we're in a group of about five and didn't have enough flashlights to go around, so we gave one to the person in front, and one to me, in back. I felt like I was being watched, and so I real quick flashed the light around and turned my head, saw a pair of green eyes attached to a body slink back off the trail a little bit. Our light wasn't powerful enough to get a super good beat on it, but every 30 seconds or so thereafter, I would turn around and flash the light up the trail probably saw something about 75% of my turnarounds. It followed us for probably half hour, until we were 10 minutes from the cars. The people I was hiking with didn't notice, and mountain lions don't often jump large groups of adults, but I wasn't really about statistically, 
were probably fine at that point. No one else noticed, and I didn't say a word while it was following us, really didn't want to run the risk of a panic. I'll never forget the story my co-worker shared with me about their encounter in a remote forest in Canada. It was during their bird surveying expedition when they stumbled upon something that sent shivers down their spine. The memory of their experience has haunted me ever since. As they ventured deeper into the forest, following the sounds of chirping birds, my co-worker came across an abandoned campsite. It appeared to have been left untouched for several years probably around 5 to 10 years. The tent had collapsed, worn down by time and the elements, but the rest of the campsite seemed eerily intact. A clothesline stretched between two trees, swaying gently in the breeze. Dishes lay scattered on the ground, covered in a thick layer of dirt and fallen leaves. Other miscellaneous items were strewn about, hinting at the presence of past campers. It was as if time had stopped in this forgotten corner of the forest. My co-worker's initial curiosity quickly turned into a sense of unease. There was an eerie silence surrounding the campsite, broken only by the rustling of leaves under their feet. Despite the absence of any apparent danger or signs of foul play, an unexplainable feeling of dread washed over them. With an instinctive sense of self-preservation, my co-worker decided to abandon any further exploration of the campsite. They made a swift exit, not daring to peek inside the collapsed tent. The mystery of what had transpired in that desolate campsite was left unsolved, buried beneath layers of nature's disguise. To this day, I find myself unable to shake the morbid curiosity that grips me whenever I think about that campsite. What had happened there? Why was everything left untouched? What had driven my co-worker to hastily retreat without investigating further? It's a chilling reminder that there are countless untold stories hidden within the depths of our world. Sometimes, it's better to let those mysteries lie undisturbed, preserving their enigmatic allure. But the haunting curiosity lingers, forever tugging at the edges of my mind, begging for answers that may never be found. I'm a retired guy in his late 60s who lived in upper northeast Pennsylvania close to the New York border in an area known as the Endless Mountains, near Forkston Mountain in Wyoming County. I've lived there for 25 years. I moved south in 2020. My property was too large for one guy to care for because I lived alone. These beings let me know their presence only two days after moving in. I bought my acreage in the 1980s and then built the house later. I lived on a dirt road and had two neighbors, one on each side of me, both a quarter mile away. There's a pond and swamp 200 yards down from the house and on the other side of the pond is a small open area and the beginning of a rugged set of woods. There was a field on one side of the house and woods. Across the road was a small open area and a mile-long section of woods. That was their area the Sasquatch people. Of course, make no mistake, this was the wilderness and I lived alone. So I really didn't want any interactions with them, although they tried really hard to have it with me. I saw all the different wildlife there, including a bear hybrid, wild dogs, and a puma which I had on trail cam three times. I also had a backyard sighting after a few years of living there. 
I was able to get an old Jeep along with a tractor and brush cutter and proceeded to make Jeep trails on over 200 acres. The trails went through the woods, fields, and hills. It was not all my land but with the permission of the other landowners, I was able to make some awesome trails. My first suspicions of weird stuff going on were when trees started being pushed down across the trails in various places. But it wasn't one tree, it was multiple trees being pushed down in the same spot. They were live trees, not rotten ones. In one section of the trail, over the years, it happened at least 10 to 12 times with a 20-foot section of trail and it would happen from one day to the next, with no wind or storms. Fast forward to 2009 when my daughter and family flew in from Phoenix for a visit. Living in the desert, my grandson and granddaughter never saw the woods, so we wanted to hike into the woods about 100 yards down from the pond dam. My daughter was snapping pictures with a good quality digital camera while we descended down a ravine and we crossed over a small stream and up the other side. Suddenly, my seven-year-old grandson, who is autistic, took off through the woods running away from us. I go and chase him. Enclosed are photos related to our walk. The first photo she took was on our descent down the ravine. She never noticed a small forest being standing down by the stream until she looked closely at the photo a few months later. The little guy was about 50 to 60 yards down from us just next to the creek. He looks only to be about two and a half feet tall. He looks partially cloaked. The second photo of him is through a filter. The other photo shows why I think my grandson took off running. He must have sensed or seen the shadow being or a cloaked forest being and got scared. That is not a smudge in the camera. A few months after my daughter's visit I was cruising the trail alongside those same woods and as I was cruising by I saw a partially cloaked being in the same woods. It was much larger than the one in the photo. It looked like it was gliding through the woods, not bobbing up and down like we do when we walk. It was large and dark. I retired in 2012 so I was spending all my time home and around the property. This is when all the crazy stuff started happening. In August 2012 I had a daylight UFO sighting through binoculars. It was in the evening after dinner and I was in my off-roader cruising around the pond. I saw this very large bright gold silent V-shaped craft in the sky. It was not a stealth jet or a triangular shaped craft, but a V-shaped craft. I stopped the vehicle, grabbed my binoculars, and watched it until it went out of sight over the hill. A few days later I found two barefoot prints down on the pond dam. No human in the right mind would walk in that area barefoot. I could not stop thinking about the UFO and the possible connection. I had thoughts that Sasquatch was a really intelligent being. About a week later I would make two wood knocks for five straight evenings just after it turned dark. I would go out on the front porch and swing it two times on the porch posts. It echoed really well. There were no replies. But, be careful what you wish for. That was the beginning for me. A few days later I heard two knocks from the woods from across the dirt road. Then again the next day. That wasn't all that happened. I heard loud bizarre screaming sounds twice during the day coming from those same woods. I was the only one around during the day because the neighbors worked. To confirm what I heard my friend's 90-year-old mother, who lived under a mile away, heard the same scream on the same day. 
My friend is aware of these beings also. He had a sighting on his property and I heard of another sighting about half a mile away as well. I was friendly with one of my other neighbors and he told me his sister was visiting for a week. While sitting on the back porch at night she heard a very loud knock coming from the woods below the house. The next day I went outside and heard a tree crashing down in the woods. I also told my other neighbor about these beings because he had two young kids and to never let them out and about at night. He snickered a bit but he knew I was serious and got the message. I also heard strange hoots coming from the woods across from me in the middle of the day. It was not an owl. It went on for at least 10 minutes. I knew it had to be them. One nice fall evening I was watching TV in my living room with the front windows open. Suddenly I heard very loud speaking coming from the woods across the road. It overpowered the TV sound. It was just garbled speech and I couldn't understand a word. I jumped up and ran out onto the front porch, but saw nothing. It was all starting to creep me out, especially because I was living alone. I decided not to have interactions with them. I also had weird things going on in my house. I don't think it was a Sasquatch, I could be wrong. But it was frightening. One morning during the spring of 2013 I noticed two gifts left for me in the front yard. My daughter was also aware of some of the activities. She took a photo of a Sasquatch that was about 100 feet or so from where she was standing. There were so many unexplained things happening around there that I eventually decided to sell the property and move elsewhere. My daughter was also concerned for my safety. I may later go into detail with you about the other activity and things I witnessed. I had embarked on a camping expedition along the picturesque shoreline of Alaska as part of my field work. Although my intention was not hunting, the allure of the untamed wilderness and the serenity it offered drew me to this remote location. As the sun began to set, casting an amber hue across the rugged landscape, I settled into my campsite, ready to embrace the tranquility of the night. Fatigue gradually enveloped me, and I found myself drifting into a deep slumber. The rhythmic lullaby of the waves crashing against the shore served as a soothing backdrop, lulling me further into the realm of dreams. Unbeknownst to me, danger lurked in the darkness, silently awaiting its moment to disrupt the peaceful ambience. In the heart of the night, a sudden eruption shattered the tranquility. A deep, angry grunting sound reverberated through the stillness, tearing me from my sleep-induced bliss. Instinctively, my hand shot out, searching for the comforting familiarity of my bear spray, a vital companion in the untamed wilderness of Alaska. The adrenaline coursing through my veins drowned out the pounding of my heart as I raised my voice, bellowing, Hey bear! Yet, to my dismay, the menacing sound persisted, unyielding and relentless. Time seemed to stretch agonizingly as the grunts resonated with an air of hostility, hanging heavy in the nocturnal air. Dread clutched at my core, and the realization dawned upon me that this could be the end, an encounter with a formidable predator that could shatter the tranquility of this night forever. Just as despair began to tighten its grip, a sudden disruption broke through the tumultuous symphony of grunts. A colossal splash echoed in the darkness, rippling across the surface of the water. The source of the mysterious growls was revealed, a sea lion, 
its powerful presence cutting through the veil of fear that had enveloped me. Relief washed over me like a tidal wave, mingled with a tinge of embarrassment at my initial misinterpretation. The sea lion, perhaps startled by my presence or simply expressing its territorial nature, had unwittingly caused my heart to race and my thoughts to plunge into a state of panic. It was a powerful reminder of the untamed beauty and unpredictability of the natural world. As the sea lion's growls dissipated into the night, I was left with a newfound appreciation for the serenity that camping in Alaska offered, tinged with a lingering unease. The memory of that fateful night would forever be etched in my mind, a testament to the raw power and primal instincts that reside in even the most seemingly innocuous creatures of the wild. And as I lay there, with the echoes of the sea lion's growl fading into the distance, I silently vowed never to underestimate the symphony of nature again. I was turkey hunting, fall gobbler I think if I recall correctly. Anyway, I was walking to my spot in my orange and had just started to tuck it away, for non-hunters, turkey can see color, so the regulation states that hunters need to wear 250 square inches of orange while moving, but you can take it off and just wear regular camo when you get to your spot. In my MNGMT zone you just need to put some orange somewhere within 15-ish feet of you to let other hunters know you are in the area and to be vigilant. Anyway, I just finish up stowing my orange away and sit down and start using my call. I eventually hear something coming from a ways away and it's calling back to me, another hen, boy turkey gobble, girl turkey make a squeaky chucking noise like yurk yurk. As the sound gets closer I start to think that it sounds too big to be a turkey, maybe it's a small flock? I go to call again and a shot goes off far to close to me and I shit bricks. I had not seen anyone come in, nor had I seen any orange hanging in a tree to signify someone else was hunting there so I thought I was pretty isolated. Another shot goes off closer and the chucking call starts back up. Now I'm certain of two things. One. There is no turkey, they would have scattered if nearby because of the shots. 2. I have an idiot out here trying to stalk me thinking I am a turkey and he's following my calls and shooting blind or seeing me move and assuming him a bird. Either way I'm shitting bricks. I decide to yell out ho but. I'm not a bird quit shooting and another shot goes off. I'm terrified to so much as wiggle a finger at this point because I can't see this guy, but I know he's shooting in my direction and trigger happy. I'm sitting there hollering that I'm a human and contemplating the idea of moving to grab my orange and wave it to signify to this guy that he's shooting at a person when a third shot goes off and I actually hear the BBs hitting shit near me. I hit the deck and laid flat for like two hours, absolutely shitting myself until I was sure they were gone. For any non-hunters out there, this is a known issue within turkey hunting. Because you need to remove your visibility orange. And because you are calling as an attractant, some assholes will attempt to stalk what they think is a turkey, and end up stalking another hunter, and in their idiot fervor, they shoot at the first thing that moves. Say another hunter itching their nose. A good number of people had died that way and it made me swear off turkey hunting. My encounter happened in July of 1996 in the Trinity Mountains of Northern California. 
My roommates and I are up for summer break from Humboldt State University and we decided to go backpacking for the weekend as we often do. We originally planned to visit the Ruth Lake Trailhead but it was raining hard and our group decided to ask the rangers at the forest station where there was a good place to hike. My roommates from the Los Angeles area decided to be smart asses to the ranger at which I was mortified as my dad spent many summers as a park ranger in Crater Lake, Oregon, and Mount Rainier, Washington I remember the ranger taking offense and I saw a gleam in his eyes when he pointed out a nice hike for you all. He sent us to a trailhead in the Trinity Alps I only recalled this after the encounter, racking my brain to try and figure out how we ended up in such a surreal situation. We hiked about 5 miles up Steed Canyon and found a flat piece of real estate next to the Raging Creek. There were some nice granite slabs that we hung out on and bathed from that afternoon, careful not to get swept away by the swollen creek. At around 10 that night we were sitting around a pre-existing campfire on some logs that had been arranged around it in a square. We had all heard voices of what we thought were some people approaching our camp from above. We got ready to greet other backpackers but realized that they were coming from the top of the mountain down a very steep slope, not the trail that followed the creek of the canyon. Their voices were deep and sounded like the samurai chatter as I've heard it described in other accounts. I couldn't understand it of course, but the tone was unmistakable. Basically, someone is in our territory and we're not happy about it. I directed my crappy flashlight after silhouettes as they skirted our campsite and caught a pair of eyes locked on me. They were whitish-yellow, large, and far apart. My reaction was one of disbelief and the basic mindset that I seemed to adopt for the rest of the encounter, which I now suppose to be a survival instinct that helped me keep my sanity, is now this isn't really happening to me. I kept telling myself this over and over throughout the encounter. I swung my flashlight off the spot and then when I came back to it the eyes were gone. Just then the stomping and hooting began, slow at first and then building to a crescendo. The ground shook with every stomp. We all shared looks of shock and disbelief and at that moment I experienced the worst fear of my life. I resigned myself to the fact that I would probably die soon. When the stomping and hooting finally stopped. I assumed the voice to be the male as it was deep and commanding. It barked some orders and I thought they were now about to attack. Below us were the higher pitch sounds of the females who responded to the orders. A few moments later we heard huge splashes in the creek from upstream. Either they were throwing huge boulders into the creek or jumping into it. Their voices were excited now, like a party or celebration. Then it went silent maybe a minute or two later. We then heard the siren-like scream from the top of the canyon. I could feel it reverberate in my chest. I've had people try to convince me that these were just some people playing a prank on us. I always respond that there was no way a human can hike up that mountain that fast in pitch blackness. I also don't think anyone can scream that loud, even with amplification. Whatever made that noise was massive. It sounded like the cross between a lion and Tarzan and it seemed to be proclaiming its dominance over the region. I was just relieved that I was still alive and that they had moved farther away. After a while, I lay down in my tent. I heard something walking outside and pulled my sleeping bag from my ears. My tentmate asked if I'd heard anything, but I was still in the this can't be happening mode, so I replied nope. 
Just then the campfire went dark with the silhouette of the creature. I literally choked on my scream, petrified to make any noise. I could only watch the shadow as I was completely paralyzed. I remember its fingers groping the seam of the zipper and its breath pushing the tent fabric in and out. I can think, but my body couldn't move. I thought I should grab my camera but was paralyzed with fear. I also remember getting the sensation that the creature knew I was aware of it and scared to death. I must have passed out from fear. I don't remember anything after that until I woke up at daybreak. I searched the area with a very new perspective that morning and found a hair that I've since misplaced. I also noticed the trail had deep impressions, but no clear tracks. Other than that there was no trace of our encounter that night. I've never been shy about telling my story. I will always recount the episode when requested even in potentially skeptical audiences. I've never really worried about what people thought of my account. I know what I encountered even if I didn't get a good look at the creatures. I've endured some ridicule but I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe and all who challenge me go away assured that I'm speaking the truth. They may not believe it but they all tell me they believe that what happened to me actually occurred. The worst thing I ever saw was while duck hunting on a secluded oxbow off a large river. These places are sometimes used by high schoolers to hook up. It wasn't uncommon or noteworthy to see a used condom at the remote boat ramp. It was a rough ramp, very little gravel, only used to get back in shallow flooded timber by duck hunters. One morning, I am taking a leak off to the side of this ramp and see a Polaroid, this was the 1990s, of a young boy naked. It was just of his groin. It is easily the worst thing I've ever seen hunting just because of whatever backstory accompanies that photo. I still feel uneasy thinking about what sick F had that, what they were doing out there, etc. I was working at a hospital at the time and went to walk my dog at about 4.30 in the morning. As I was coming down the stairs I happened to glance up and saw exactly what your friend saw in her backyard. For a split second I noticed something just like that in the Predator movies. It moved towards the chain-link fence surrounding the front yard. I know what I saw and I knew it knew I had seen it. Since I was going down the stairs, I didn't want to fall and had to look down and when I looked back up it was gone. I know within my soul what I saw and it seemed a little amazed startled that I saw it although I got the strong sense it wasn't particularly friendly. The best way to say it was it seemed a little annoyed with me for actually seeing it like an adult would be if a child saw them doing something maybe they shouldn't have been doing. I continued to take my dog, walking towards where I had seen it. I wasn't afraid because somehow I knew it wasn't there anymore. My dog didn't notice it at all. About the same time, maybe a few months later, I was walking out of work to take a break. The sun was just starting to rise, the sky went colors were light to dark blue and I happened to glance over to see a large airplane moving across the sky, in its path leaving an orange trail of exhaust. I remember thinking how pretty the dark blue, light blue, and orange colors looked in the sky. That's when I noticed two UFOs by the plane. One was below it by the back end the other was above it almost in the middle but more towards the back end. 
Again I looked down for a split second and when I looked up again they were gone and the plane moved out of my range of view. They were both shaped like a short stack top hat, I was in awe that I saw this. The next one happened when I was sleeping one night. I remember waking terrified, never experienced any terror like I felt that night. I could not open my eyes at all. I know all about sleep terrors from reading about them but don't believe this is what happened to me. I was panicking inside, full of horrible terror, and all of a sudden heard what I knew was two beings communicating with each other, in their language, which sounded like clicking noises of different degrees, but I could also understand them telepathically, and knew what they were saying. The one farther from me, who seemed like someone in a superior position to the one next to me, told it, she's awake. I got the sense it was a little startled that I was awake and aware of them, then still terrified beyond words I just knew I had to wake up. I still couldn't open my eyes but was fully awake and aware, it was like being in two dimensions at once. I moved one arm against what I believed was their will, to my other arm so I could scratch my other arm as hard as I could to wake myself up but just couldn't. All this time I'm screaming in my head for my daughter in the next room to come out and help me. In my mind I'm screaming help, help me wake up. But I could hear myself quite clearly and was only moaning really loudly. Something told me to say the Lord's Prayer, which is about the only Bible verse I know, and I did. All of a sudden I felt a sense of the most blissful eternal peace you could ever imagine, no words can even describe that sense of peace that came over me like a blanket. In an instant, I was in a very deep sleep. I woke the next day holding on to that sense of peace for a few days. It was so intense but at night, before going to sleep for the next few days I slept with a knife under my pillow. I knew it couldn't have done anything to help me if they came back but it gave me a little peace of mind. A few months later I woke up again, inside myself but unable to open my eyes. Same situation but this time I felt stronger and yelled moaned really loud and my daughter woke up and came out and started shaking me. It felt like I was pulled into my apartment. It hasn't happened again, thank God. The last happened when I was around 8, we lived in California. I was sitting in our living room playing with a new kitty, and across from the living room was our kitchen. I was the only one in the apartment at this time when all of a sudden, the kitchen light turned off and the kitchen door opened and closed, just like someone was leaving to go to the store for a minute. I was so scared I ran outside to stay with my sister's boyfriend. This apartment was supposedly haunted by a man who was stabbed and died in the living room, and nothing ever happened in the living room, only the hallway and kitchen. My mom, sister, her boyfriend, and two of their friends saw the face of a ghost in the hallway. Also at Christmas time, our tree stood right next to the hallway entrance and several times presents would fall over and ornaments would fly off the tree when no one was over in that area. I tried to look up and find any information on someone dying in that apartment but couldn't find anything. I have also noticed that I sometimes have weird things happen when I'm around electricity, like lights being switched off, and street lights will go off when I'm under them, handheld electronics will go a little haywire when I use them. I read something about this and found it interesting. It doesn't happen all the time, just occasionally. Well, I would like to thank you in advance if you were able to read this email. I know it's long, but even if you're not able to, 
It just felt perfect writing this down and sharing all this with you. Remember, if you use this, then please do not use the city I stated about in the ghost encounter, or any identifying information about me.